following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. Before we start with the message, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, Lord, we come to you this morning as a fellowship of believers. And Lord, I ask the Holy Spirit to be in here in this room with each and every one of us this morning. As I said, share your word. Lord, have the Holy Spirit come and take all the crud out of our minds right now. Things we're worrying about, what's for dinner, where we're going to go, what time's the ball game. Lord, just let our thoughts be on you right now. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Um, it's the last Sunday of the month, so that means it's fearless faith. Um, okay. I wasn't going to use this illustration, but this morning when we were in uh, Get Ready, Sue made a very good comment. I've been pondering it now for the last half hour. And she says, you know, we talk about fearless faith, but we don't talk about how we do fearless faith. So I'm going to share this with you. As you most, most of you know, I was in the Marine Corps for 20 years. I served in combat, three different deployments over a 20-year period of time, led Marines in combat. And to be honest, I was fearless. Why? Because I knew I had my first sergeant on my right, my company gunner behind me, all my corporals and sergeants behind me. They had my back. And Matt, I was thinking about what you said. My weapon was made by the lowest bidder. That should have scared me right there. Because <laughs> the bad guys had better weapons sometimes. But anyway, I was fearless because I knew guys had my back. We have God, the creator of the universe. He's our backup. He's our guy. And we don't step out fearlessly. Now, I don't mean careless. You know, the Lord doesn't want us to be careless about how we do things. He wants us to be bold and to be fearless about how we spread and share the faith, share the gospel of Jesus Christ. So this morning we're going to be talking about Moses. And uh, one of the things I know a little bit about, I've been told, is about leadership. Um... So this morning, if you would, if you're able to, would you please stand and we'll have the verses up here from Hebrews 11, 23 to 29. If you're able to, please stand as we read these verses. Uh, the first one starts Hebrews 11:23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses... When he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ great, greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkling the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. In verse 29, By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, 
But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. Please be seated. I had it when I was in seminary, I had a professor, and he said, you know, when God says something once, we should really pay attention. And when he says it twice, he's saying, do I have your attention? If you look at Hebrews chapter 11, Moses, in that six verses there, it says four times, by faith. The only time, you know, it was by Noah, by this, by that, it was always one time. Moses, four times. When I was teaching school, I used to do this. It's important. That's what God's doing. By faith. So, Moses was a leader. And his epitaph is recorded in the last three verses of Deuteronomy uh, 34. Let me get to that. It says this in Deuteronomy 34. And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. None like him at all, the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to his land. Verse 12. And for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all of Israel. You know, when, when you think about what did Moses do? Well, he had a pretty good resume. When you look at his resume, he got the Ten Commandments. Twice. He led the people of Israel out of Egyptian captivity. He led the people of Israel across the Red Sea. He led the people of Israel for 40 years in the desert. He personally, like I said, I said that, and he's credited with writing the first five books of the Old Testament. And if you dig down and really start to look at Moses, if you look at Exodus in, in, in Hebrews 11, uh, you get a, a, a richer picture of, of Moses. But he was an amazing person. He was an amazing leader. And, and one of the things that stands out for me about Moses is that for 40 years, he never let go of the vision, of the vision that God had given him. He was steadfast for 40 years wandering through the desert with three million knuckleheads who were trying to... <laughs> they were knuckleheads, honestly. You know, you, you know, when I was a children's pastor, I had done some Bible study with the kids one time, and this little girl says, Mr. Fred, she says, how come they were so dumb? So what do you mean? She said, they kept doing the same thing over and over again. <laughs> knuckleheads. You know, the people moaned and they groaned and they griped and they complained. Not a whole lot different than today's world. But but uh, he continually reminded them of who God is. And the people sinned. They consistently sinned. You know, he tells them, don't do anything. I'll be right back down. And what do they do? They gather up all their jewelry and they make what? A golden calf. He comes back down and they're dancing tradition like Tevia. <laughs> and he sits there and he has to say, do I have your attention now? And, and see, the amazing thing about all this is Moses would not see the fulfillment of the promise of God, seeing the promised land, but he was still faithful as a leader to make sure his people got there. 
I, I want to be honest with everyone this morning, and I, and I didn't know how to phrase this, but I would be surprised to find if there was anyone in this auditorium this morning who does not want to make some kind of positive difference in the world. We want to leave the world a little bit better than we came into it. I think that's our human nature, is our Christian nature. So, if you buy into that hypothesis, if you want to make a difference in the world, who better to learn from than Moses? After Christ, of course. So here's a little background. Hebrews 11.23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. My take on that is God protected Moses and God knew what Moses' purpose would be before Moses was even born. You know, before time came into existence, before God spoke all this stuff, he knew we would all be here today in this room. Up until 30 minutes ago, I wasn't quite sure what I was really going to say. God knew. So we, here's what we need to do. We need to know who you or I are. Know who you are. In Hebrews 11:24 and 25, it says, By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Realistically, what did Moses give up? He gave up royalty. He gave that up for suffering. He gave up the good life for oppression. He gave up being the prince of Egypt for mistreatment. I don't know about you, but why would he do something like that? Why? Because Moses knew who he was. And he knew he belonged to God. You know, it says in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 18 and 19, Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Do you believe that God paid a high price for you this morning? You know, I, I had a, I was a Southern Baptist preacher for many years, and I had a Methodist friend of mine, not knocking Methodist, I love him to death. And uh, he said one day, we were having breakfast, John says, you know, Fred, you Baptists have this, uh, you have an easy faith, simple faith. I said, what do you mean? Well, as long as you do the ABCs, admit, believe, and confess, then you're saved. I said, there was nothing, nothing easy or cheap about that salvation experience. The creator of the universe sent his son to suffer the blows for each and every one of us. And I've said this before, you know, we can almost imagine hitting ourselves in the hand. Anybody guy ever do this, hit your thumb with a hammer, stub your toe? Girls do. I am not that woke. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Sensitivity training is in my <laughs> future. 
plans. But, but, but anyway, make me lose my train of thought. Um, but, you know, Christ took the pain of every person that ever was and ever will be. That's a pain I can't, in my mind, I can't, fat, I, I can't wrap it around. There was nothing cheap or easy about that price. So why, why did God think we were worth it? That you were worth it, I was worth it. Well, because before you were even born, he had a plan for you. In the same way that God preserved Moses and allowed him to grow up in the Pharaoh's palace, he had a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. 1 Peter 2.9 says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. i got to tell you, I should have said this from the beginning. I initially had 50 slides. I widowed it down to 30, and there will be a multiple test on the way out. Please submit it online, and I'll grade it and get back to you. Not. <laughs> but this is our identity. This is our purpose. God, Moses learned who he was, and he sacrificed everything to identify with God and his people. When you think about it, though, what he was giving up was only temporary stuff. What he was giving up temporary stuff for was for eternity eternal things of eternity and, and there's a wonderful metaphor in jeremiah about uh, broken cisterns in jeremiah 2:13 it says this for my people have committed two evils they have forsaken me the living the fountain of living water and hewed out cisterns for themselves broken cisterns that cannot hold water So, one must know who you are. Secondly, you have to know what you're living for. Why are we here? That's the existential philosopher right there. Descartes said, I, I think, therefore I am. Is that why we're here? Hebrews eleven twenty six again speaking, Moses says this, he considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. You see, Moses knew that his purpose in life was not his purpose, but it was God's purpose lived out through him. And that is so important. If you want to make an impact, if you want to make a difference, each and every one of us must realize that God is the potter, we are the clay, and what do we have to do? We have to submit. We have to take our hands off the wheel. God's got this. In Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, it says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. 
do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's phenomenal. You know, I was, I was looking at Paul. And Paul's story is somewhat similar to, uh, to Moses. Paul was a Pharisee, but he was, he was basically a Jewish lawyer. And he was an expert, and people looked up to him because he had authority. And in Philippians 3.8 it says this, Indeed, I count everything as a loss because of the suppressing work, worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered and the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So then, my quick third point is, we have to know where you stand. Where do you stand? You know, Christ says to the church, I'm going to spit you out. Because you're lukewarm. Have you ever had a really terrible thirst? It's been hot. Ladies, you've been mowing the lawn. See how I work that in there? (laughs) And you you come in and all you got is this tepid bottle of water that's been sitting out for like three days. And all you want, you're thinking this could be great. (laughs) You spit it out. You have to know where you stand. Hebrews 11.25 says, By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. You see, Moses knew where he stood, and he stood with God the Most High. In Exodus 3.4 it says, When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, Moses, here I am. So Moses went over to check it out. You know, have we heard God's call and said, you know, I'm kind of busy today. Wife's got the flu. Cat's not behaving right. I got too many things on my plate. Moses didn't do that. He said, here I am. You know, one of the things I learned in the Marine Corps, when a young private, actually 46 years ago yesterday, I went to recruit training. I learned you never volunteer for anything. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> oh, I fought those urges. <laughs> But I want to read a little bit from Exodus chapter 3, verses 1 and 10. So if you have a copy of God's Word with you, just open that up to Exodus 3, verses 1 to 10. And it says this, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, 
why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. Then he said, do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place in which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt, and they have heard their cry because of of their taskmasters. I know their suffering. And I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of the land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to a place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hevites, and the Jebusites. And verse 9 says, And behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. I have also seen the oppression which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Moses replied, who am, I should, who, who am I that I should go? And what's God telling him in verses 14 and 15? Tell him I sent you. And what if they don't believe me? And God says, what is that in your hand? Talking about the Ten Commandments. Moses then says, I'm not a good speaker. I stutter. And God says, I'm with you. I made you. You are the tool in my hand. You know, God, has this ever happened to anybody? I know it's happened to me on numerous occasions. I will be talking to someone about the Lord and I'll say something and I'll sit back and like say, where did that come from? I didn't know I even knew that. You know? Who's at work there? It's surely not me. It's the Holy Spirit. The Lord Jesus said at Pentecost, I'm going to leave you an encourager. You know, left to my own devices, I will fumble and stumble over words. But when I let the Holy Spirit do his job, it does much better than I can. And then finally he says, God, next slide. Oh, never mind, I didn't have a slide for that. He says, in verse 13, he says, God, please send someone else. You know, Matt, you were talking about you were 23 and went to the mission field in India. I'm sure, maybe I'm taking liberties, but maybe you were saying, you sure you got the right Matt Mercer, Lord? (laughs) You know, it's like, Lord tells me to do something. No, no, no. I'm Fred Fitzgerald. You might want you. Maybe you're talking to my cousin or somebody. No. But here's what's amazing. How does a person with all these questions and insecurities get to the point in Deuteronomy 34:10? And let me read that. Deuteronomy 34:10. And boy, wouldn't you like to have this as your epitaph? And there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. 
Continue on in verse 11, it says, None like him for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land. In verse 12, And for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of the Israelites. You know what Moses did? He talked to God. Talked directly to God. I grew up Irish Catholic kid from Boston. I was an altar boy. I was I tell my I was a product of the Penguins. I had nuns for teachers and then I went to Boston College and had the Jesuits. They weren't tough enough so I joined the Marine Corps. <laughs> Someone got that. <laughs> but let <laughs> me my day. But anyway, you know Let me lose my thought. Oh, talking to God. As a Catholic, I was taught I had to talk to a priest or I had to go through the saints or I had to do... It was very hard for me to talk directly to God. There were, there were intermediaries and intercessors that I had to do. I was a prison chaplain for a couple of years and uh, it was uh, the id for the Muslims and in prison movements are regulated on the half hour. But the Muslim calendar is a, a solar calendar and so it, one day you have to pray at 726 and the next day it's 727 and 728. Well, they don't... It, <laughs> You either go early or you go late. So I came back and they're all Muslim guys are sitting in the the chapel and they're just cutting the fool. I said, guys, what, what's going on? Well, we missed the time we could talk to God. I said, really? I said, you know what? I could talk to my God right now. You know, it's not like I'm going to pick up the phone and say, uh, hello, this is God. I'm busy right now. Please leave a message. I'll get back to you. We have the opportunity, like Moses, to speak with God directly. And how do we do that? Through prayer. Through prayer. And you know the thing about prayer? It's not always about asking. It's about thanking. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. You know, sometimes we think of God, I, I've coined the phrase, he's like a, a cosmic Santa Claus, where we come up to him and say, you know, I want this, I want this, I want this. Then we get disappointed when we don't get it. Why? Well, were we asking for something that was in God's will? Moses understood God's will. God said, Moses, i got something for you to do. And Moses listened and he obeyed. And God said to Moses, I've got a dream and I want to help you carry it out. He didn't say, just do it. I'm not going to, I'm going to, here it is. Here's the plan. Go ahead. He said, I'm going to help you carry it out. And it was way back in Genesis 12 when God promised Abraham that he would be the father of many nations and, and that God would build a people to himself and he would give them the land of Cana as a inheritance. You see, Back to Moses' time, God's people were currently under Egyptian captivity 
and God picked Moses. He picked Moses long before Moses decided he was going to be an Egyptian prince, long before he was a shepherd, long before Moses even knew it, long before Moses was to do anything great for God, God picked him. And I believe this. God has a reason for your existence. We are not just placeholders here on the planet. If we are, why get up in the morning? You know? We have a specific... My, What God wants me to do is different than Alex. It's different than you guys. It's different than Bill. Each one of us, he's given special talents to. And he's given special mis- uh, ministries too. And when you think you can't do it, he says, trust me. Trust me. <laughs> I was telling Marty earlier this morning, <laughs> when I first got saved, we went to a big church in uh, Jacksonville. And so the pastor never went, Marty, would you close us in benediction? He had his deacons already lined up to do that. So we moved to Newcastle, Delaware. It's a smaller church, probably about the size of this. It was a Wednesday night, and a pastor, Ron, good friend of mine, says, Fred, would you like to close us in benediction? Not today. Nope. <laughs> Next Wednesday. Fred, would you like to close us in benediction? I don't think so. Sydney gets on the way home. She says, you know. He's going to keep doing this to you until you say yes. That's kind of how God works, too. He's going to keep working at you. Do I have your attention? Hello? You know, and then, because from a guy, I'm not doing very well this morning, but from a guy that couldn't even pray in public to preaching the gospel, that was not in my wheelhouse ever. Ever. Furthest thing from my mind. And we were talking this morning about anxiety and things like that. When I think, when I was being called into the ministry, I spent a little over six months just fighting and arguing and trying to rationalize why I shouldn't do it, why I shouldn't do it. You know what? If I had just submitted, I wouldn't have had had six months of anxiety and angst. God has to humble us, though. He does. I wish I were like Moses said, send me. I'm here. But unfortunately, most of us aren't like Moses. We can be, though. That's the amazing thing. We can be. I can't tell you what the purpose is that God's created for you. But I do know he loved you before you were even born. So listen to God. Know where you stand. So back to Moses. What did God do? Well, we read in Hebrews 11.29, By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do so, were drowned. Think about that big step. 
that okay, we're going across. Red Sea's pretty big place. Okay. <laughs> you want us to do what? And they said, well, We've got to take the step. And when they did, the sea parted. You know, it'd be kind of like a little wet. Looks a little deep there. But that's not what happened. God said, I'm going to make a way for you. So, what is faith? You've probably seen this definition before. It's the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. You know how you explain faith to a child? Well, I can't see it. Can you see electricity? Nope. Okay, take this knife and go put it in that socket over there. And you will believe that there is electricity from that moment going on. <laughs> you know, one thing about we learn about faith from the life of Moses, and it causes people to step up in ways that they never would have done before. And Moses moved forward fearlessly because he knew who he was. He belonged to God. He knew what he was living for. He was living for God's purpose and not his own. And he knew where he stood with God. Pastor challenges the teaching team to ask a couple of questions and a couple of applications. So I'm going to ask you the questions before I give you the application. Can you move forward today with a fearless faith? Do you know who you are? Do you know what you're living for? Do you know where you stand with God? You know, and it's not, well, I'm a Floridian and I'm Irish and I belong to Faith Fellowship Church. We are children of God. That's the important thing. You know, this this message on fearless faith is important. But, you know, I'm going to ask you this morning probably what I think is the most important question in your life. You see, your joy and your sorrow for all eternity depends on your answer. The question is, are you born again? You know, it's not a question of how good you are. It's not a question if you're a church member. The question is, are you born again? Are you sure? Do you know that you know that you know that you will go to heaven when you die? You have a question, ma'am? Hi. God said, in order to go to heaven, you must be born again. In John 3, 7, Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. The Bible, In the Bible, God gives us a plan of how to be born again, which means quite simply to be saved. It used to tickle me when some people say, well, I went out uh, doing visitation and got three people saved. 
He's anybody saved? Christ already accomplished that. All you're doing is arranging the meeting between him and the Holy Spirit. Because we don't save a soul. So, sorry if you're patting yourself on the back for that, but that's a, <laughs> that's a cold hard facts. <laughs> because if we could do it, why would Christ hang on a cross? Really. And his plan was simple. And, and, and I don't mean to sound arrogant, but this morning, you know, I, I love you all. We've been here about a year now. I've got to know many of you. But you know what? I only know my heart. My roommate, I think I know her heart, but I don't know that I know that I know her heart. And you know, I can't possibly know what your heart is. This morning, this is, are we recording this today? Who knows? There could be somebody in Bulgaria that downloads this message and hears it this morning and says, you know what? That makes sense. I, I had a church secretary. <laughs> God love her. <laughs> every, mess, every Sunday I would give a plan of salvation and an altar call. So Monday she comes up to my office. Comes, I hear her coming the stairs. She says, Pastor, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. She says, um, every Sunday, do you plan on giving the plan of salvation? I said, yeah, pretty much. She looked at me and says, well, you know we're all saved. So I start looking in the four corners. I'm waiting for the cameras like the Alan Funt catch the dummy or something like that. And I'm, I'm looking. I said, no, nah, I'm not so sure about that. She said, well, I, I think we are. I said, see, that's the thing. You think. <laughs> Only God knows. You know, and, and, and so maybe someone today, I don't know what your situation is. Maybe this message has convicted you. Maybe it hasn't. But you know what? The Holy Spirit this morning has convicted me to tell you how you can be saved. The first thing, friends, can I be honest with you? Here's a hard thing. You have to realize you're a sinner. We're all sinners. We are all sinners. From We have grandparents, little new baby, was it raised? Yeah, little new baby, you know, six weeks, eight weeks old. That cute little rascal is a sinner as big as, as all get as you as I am. You know, they're, they're sinners. We have sin nature. And we have to admit that. You know, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned. And come up short of the glory of God. Here's the sad part. Because we're sinners, we are condemned to death. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death. Now, if you don't like any of the things I'm saying right now, go home, get on your knees and take it up with the author of this book. Because it's unvarnished truth, what I'm telling you. It's unvarnished. You know what that payment is? If you don't accept them, it's eternal separation from God and you will go to hell. You know, anybody ever say, well, you have to love everybody? 
I've, I've done the exhaustive check-in here. It does say you have to love everybody. It doesn't say I have to like them. Nowhere does it say it. And I'll be honest with you, there's some folks I just, it's just not likable. But I, even the person I dislike the most, I do not want them to go to hell. And you shouldn't either. You know, will I be surprised if Adolf Hitler is in heaven? Yeah, but I know he had to get there because he had accepted, at some point in his life that he accepted Christ. Do I expect to see him? No. But who I, what do I know? But, you know, there's also going to be a lot of people we're going to think we're going to see in heaven that aren't going to be there because they got this, but they don't have the heart knowledge. They don't have that relationship with Christ. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, He has made him Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might be made righteous in God. Jesus had to shed his blood and die. When you look at Leviticus 17.11, it says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood. Without the shedding of blood, Hebrews 9.22 says, There is no remission, no pardon. Romans 5.8 says, God commands his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, I can't understand it. Maybe you can. But God said my sins and your sins were laid upon Jesus and he died in our place. He became our substitute. In a big theological term, substitutionary atonement. You know, it's true. And you know why it's true? God cannot lie. If God could lie, then I'm telling you what, I've been following a lunatic for the last 20-something years. Great scam has been pulled on me. But God has never lied to me. God never said it's going to be easy either. Acts 17.30 says, God commands all men everywhere to repent. And that repentance is simply a change of mind that agrees with God that we're sinners. And we also agree that Christ died on the cross for us. We just did a study in, on Wednesday nights about Acts. Remember when the Philippians say, uh, jailer said to Paul and Silas, Sirs, must, what must I do to be saved? And they said to him, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. There's a Romans 10:13 says, "For whomsoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved." You know who that whosoever includes you, me, and you. So what do we have to do? We have to realize that we're sinners. And right now, if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm going to beg you. I will beg you to lift up your, your heart to God in prayer this morning. You know, I don't have riches. 
I don't have stuff that I could just say, just take this. I have Jesus. And Jesus says, I'm all you need. Just accept me. Take me. If you would, this morning, if everyone bow their eyes and bow their heads and close their eyes. And, And I don't know. Maybe you've said this prayer before. Maybe you haven't. But say this prayer or something similar in your heart right now. But Lord, I, I know I'm a sinner. And I believe Jesus was my substitute when he died on the cross. And I believe he shed his blood and died and was buried and was resurrected for me. And I confess my sins and I am truly sorry. I now receive you as my Savior. And I thank you for the forgiveness of my sins and the gift of salvation and everlasting life because you are your merciful grace is overwhelming. All right, if you look up real quick. It's this simple. Take Jesus at his word and claim his salvation by faith. Believe, and you will be saved. It doesn't say, come to faith fellowship, and you'll be saved. It doesn't say, our wonderful pastor, Colin Monroe, believe in him, and you'll be saved. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say, join a life group, and you'll be saved. No good works can save you. Remember, God does all the saving, all of it. And God's simple plan of salvation is this. You're a sinner. So unless you believe on Jesus who died in your place, friends, share this with someone that you know, a family member, a close friend that doesn't know the Lord, and just say, I do not want you to spend eternity in hell. Because if you think it was hot here last week, you ain't seen nothing yet. Now, you might say, it can't be that simple. You know, I'm not a real deep thinker. It is that simple. And it's all scriptural. It's God's plan. There's a scripture I want to leave you with. It's Mark chapter 8, verse 36. And it says, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul. What I'd like you to do over the course of the week is read it, underline it, highlight it, whatever you have to do. Keep reading it and reading it and reading it until you really understand it. You see, your soul is worth more than the whole world. I don't know how much simpler I can make it. If you lose your soul, you will miss heaven. I'm going to close with this if if the worship team wants to come up. Folks, do not trust your feelings. You know, if I had trusted my feelings, I would have married Maria Kelly in 1975. 
Thank God I didn't. I love that woman. I was 18 years old, knew everything. <laughs> Don't trust your feelings because you know what? They change. Stand on God's promises. Those never change. Pray. As I said before, what's praying? Talking to God. Read the Bible. What's that? God talking back to you. And then witness. You know, a lot of people, when, they, when they're asked to give their testimony, they start this the long, sordid story of their life. Here's a very simple one. Before Christ, I was as lost as lost can be. I was miserable. I was depressed. Nothing was going right. I found Christ. I'm no longer miserable. I'm no longer depressed. I found joy. I have joy in my life. I tried over here to find joy in so many ways. But you know what? True joy came from knowing the Lord. You know, I, I love each and every one of you. It really reduces me to tears. I, I cried a river making this writing this message. Because I think it's somebody in this auditorium this morning will miss heaven and go to hell. And, I, you know, and I only imagine how Christ felt. He was on this earth for 33 years. People saw him performing miracles, raising the dead, healing paralytics, changing water into wine, feeding thousands of people with loaves and fishes. Saw him get crucified, buried, and rise again. And yet people of his time still didn't believe. What more do we need? What more do we need? So this morning, I'm pleading you with you is as serious as I can be put your faith put your trust in Jesus Christ and all God's people sin Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org.